What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Josh Coker here, aka Josh Miss Prime. And in this episode, we're talking about superhero movies, particularly Marvel movies, because they just dropped Captain Marvel, the second trailer, and the first trailer, the first teaser trailer for the second Infinity War movie, which is going to be called Endgame. So uh, it's an interesting conversation, and basically what I'm talking about is the significance of these superhero movies on today's society. So let's get right into it. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Josh here from Polymathics. And today we're going to talk about the Marvel films. There's a lot of things that, that are going on with Marvel right now. And I don't know if I can cover them all in the time that I have. I'm, I'm currently driving, so I figured we'd talk about these things. But um, I'll try to cover as much as I can. First of all, uh, I want to start this episode off by paying homage and having a moment to recognize and remember Marvel founder <clears throat> Stan Lee. Because without him we would not have such a great pantheon of superheroes for our modern-day audience. And I will discuss that topic at length, but, you know, some of my earliest memories of, of these characters and in my childhood, it, it, it's reading comic books. I would go to the store with my grandmother and beg her to... To, uh, to buy me these comic books, uh, you know, a lot of times it was X-Men, Spider-Man, or Wolverine. Those, those were the three top, top uh, sellers <laughs> in Josh's house. But, uh, you know, those are my memories. That's, uh, and I, just, I remember, too, like, people throwing so much shade about um, how comic books weren't real books and they're going to rot your brain, and uh, just like video games, you know, it's, people don't like change, and thank goodness for someone like Stan Lee, who had the fortitude to go through so so many challenges in order to make his dream a reality, and share it with the rest of the world, because there were, I I don't want to go in too much depth. You can check out. There are a lot of biographies and stuff, even like if you look on Wikipedia, about all the things that Stanley went through. But it was not an easy task for him to create Marvel Studios, bring these characters to life, and then keep the studio alive. And as a matter of fact, we're just getting to the point now where Marvel is kind of back in control of most of their uh, franchises. Uh, there was a time, I think it was in the mid or, or late 90s, where Marvel was basically bankrupt. So they sold their their franchise characters to companies like Fox, Universal, and, of course, Disney. And while Disney may still own Marvel, they're finally getting back the rights to characters like the X-Men, 
and um, and Fantastic Four, and it looks like Daredevil soon as well. So, you know, Stan Lee, there are so many challenges he faced in order to get these characters, uh, you know, out into the world, these comic books and these stories out into the world, and thank goodness he did. And not only did he do it and face these challenges, but he also showed real character because Stan Lee has always been a stand-up guy. Um, always a, always like a smile on his face, always looking at towards the bright side of things. And as I go forward in my life, that's the kind of person I want to be when it comes to my stories and my company. I want people to remember that, you know, remember not just me, but the company and the stories in like a light, like a, a happy light. That even though bad things were going on, like he was still able to uh, to look at things from a, a, a positive point of view. And I think that's what got him through all those times and allowed him to live to the ripe old age of 95, I think, or it was something like that. So, um, and you know, a little side note, uh, when I was younger and I was writing comic book stories and, and all these other things, like I'm talking like me and my brother sitting down when we're six, seven, eight years old and making up our own stuff. One of the things that I remember renting from Blockbuster like a hundred times was uh, Stanley had this videotape. This is on a video cassette recorder. I don't even know if you guys, some of you that are listening may not even know what a VCR is, but uh, now that they're streaming and all this, but you would put this cassette in the VCR and it would play the the movie for you. And he had basically this instructional educational video on how to draw superheroes. And not that I'm the greatest artist in the world or anything, but I think I have above average talent. And it's also not something that I pursue, but in terms of a pastime and especially for like character dev for my own books and stuff, I love to draw. And thank God that I watched that because in that video, Stan Lee and the artist, it might've been Jim Lee. I don't really remember, but um, Stan Lee, he, he really talks, he, he like would walk you through how the comic book artist would choose the poses and the frames that were in the comics, you know, you're always looking. One of the main things I remember is you're always looking for the 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 pose that has the most action in it, where there it's the most dynamic. And writing is also the same way, and you can see it through not just many of his comic books, but also several of his stories that he always finds where the action is, where is the most dynamism. Dy- dynamism i don't know where where are things the most dynamic and that's just something that you gotta love from stanley he he really left his mark on this world and with the way that superhero movies are continuing to grow exponentially in terms of how many people view them and their importance in modern society I think he's going to have left a lasting mark on humanity in a very good light. Now, many of you may be saying, Josh, you're talking about comic books. Come on. How important can they be? 
But people don't realize that comic books are essentially our modern mythology. If you recall any of my other rants or or videos or or episodes, uh, one of the things that I always hark on is that mythology, the main point of mythology is to educate and inform the audience of that age, of that era, on the proper ways to live. And when we take a look at comic books, the superhero is really the latest rendition of the mythological hero. And I talk about this in some of my books, and again, videos and courses, but it, it the superhero uh, is one of the things that a modern audience connects with. And the trials and tribulations that the superhero goes through allow the audience to learn thematic lessons. So let me give you an example so you know what I'm talking about. Because I know, uh, you know, I'm getting kind of deep all of a sudden. But um, with Spider-Man, you have the, the lesson that with great power comes great responsibility. So as we follow Peter Parker through his normal everyday life and then his battles and struggles with supervillains, we see that thematic lesson play out. And it, the audience is able to um, empathize with the hero, and therefore the lesson resonates. And that is the key... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? That is that is the key for any storyteller. Is you want empathy for the characters, not just your hero, um, and you also want it, the story to resonate. And it when it comes down to masterful storytelling, it's not just action and dialogue and fun, cool settings. It is sharing a lesson with the audience, and the best way that one can do it is by depicting the lesson from all different angles. So, you know, some stories you'll have like just a one-sided view. It's kind of like looking at the political parties. You know, you're either left or you're right. You either believe in abortion or you don't. There is no gray. There is no in-between. And many storytellers will tell their stories like that. And what happens is it becomes very... Uh, self-indulgent, and it it almost puts readers off because you're not showing the full breadth of the human experience, and that's really what people look for, and that's really what resonates with, with people, and um, I say that because when we look at these superhero films, I think one of the reasons why they resonate is because they do show both sides. Uh, one of the great things that I think they did with Thanos was they made him relatable in several ways. One, he truly cares about Gamora. And I know he's got his own sick, twisted way of, of dealing with things, but he, she is truly someone that he cares about. He has a heart. He's not just some heartless murderer that's out to kill people. And when you look at the reasons why he he decided to go on his mission of basically destroying 50% of all living things, it's because he wanted balance in the universe. 
And it's because his people died because they did not find balance in the universe. And so it speaks to the thematic lesson from the opposite angle. You know, the superheroes are trying to maintain and save life because they believe that every life counts. But Thanos shows this other side of the coin, which is, you know, there's only limited resources in our world. And if everybody lives, then those resources then become, you know, very scarce. And so now we have to fight for them. And so there is Thanos's, Thanos's um, theory or his stance has credence. And there are people in the world that believe that. Now, the way that he goes about it is the wrong way. We could say the same thing about, like, Darth Vader and the Emperor. You know, theoretically speaking, communism should be the, like, on paper, it looks the best. It should be the thing that works the best for people. Unfortunately, um, what we don't account for is the human factor. And that things aren't done on paper or on a computer system, that they're done in real life. And so um, the fact that these lessons are being taught worldwide to audiences who are watching these films, uh, and it's, it's helping educate and inform them, that, I believe, is a great thing in and of itself. So, um, you know, the... The affluent business storyteller side of me, that's the way I look at these. Now, from the inner kid in me, the sweaty nerd that just loves comic book heroes and stuff like that, of course, I'm super excited that we're now into almost, uh, let's see, Iron Man came out in 2009, and it is now almost... 2019, so that is like two decades, pretty much, is that right, yeah, yeah, 20, yeah, it's almost two decades of superheroes really being in the forefront, and if you think about it, it's even been longer, because the X-Men films came out in like 2000 or 2002, somewhere around there, like they came out really early, and they've been going on for a ton, a long, long time. And um, I'm sad because I think that Disney is probably going to reboot that series, the X-Men series. But um, they had a really good run, and I'm excited for what they did. The thing is, you know, as, as we go forward, the thing that's really exciting about all of these movies, we've got Captain Marvel coming up, which is Marvel's first real female superhero lead, so I'm excited about that. I think that Black Widow has done a great job, along with others like Scarlet Witch, even Pepper Potts. Like, uh, they've done a really good job with their female characters, but to have a female lead I think is going to be great. And um, it's, you know, it's also showing a little bit of diversity, and not just for diversity's sake, but for because she's, she fits right into the story at this time, and I, I'm glad that they're doing that. One of my biggest disappointments with the first season of Supergirl was I felt like they were being very heavy-handed about the feminism kind of agenda, and that they, um, they it was to the deterrence of the story. 
you know, they, they try to almost pit her against Superman in terms of how she was different and how she wasn't a man and all this other stuff. And not that there isn't some of that still in the story, but it's like, um, you know, the, the point of these superhero films is to show, like I said before, you want to show all aspects of the, all angles of the thematic lesson. And you can't do that if you're taking a self-indulgent approach to the narrative. And unfortunately, that's what that's what writers do sometimes. Um, one of the uh, another great female hero lead that was uh, in the Netflix series uh, Jessica Jones. That was Jessica Jones was great, and it it was exactly what you would look for in great storytelling. You have uh, a a strong female lead who doesn't have to be like pitted against dudes or anything like that. Like she's just a female lead because she's a badass character. And I think that's what some of these writers fail to see. Like, uh, you know, when, when people make a, a hero or a superhero, they don't say, Oh, well, because he's, he's this color or this race or this religion, that's what makes him better. Like, that's not what they do. It's because of the, it's actually because of the flaws that the character has and the way that they overcome those flaws that really depict a thematic lesson that uh, that readers and audiences get into. So anyways, I'm excited because two big trailers just dropped very recently. Uh, we got to see the Captain Marvel trailer, which, like I said, I'm super excited about that. She looks awesome. Um, and I, I don't want to, I never try to get my hopes up because, you know, it could always be a flop. But so far, it looks pretty freaking cool. And I'm also excited that Jude Law is going to be in it. Is he going to be the bad guy? Is he going to be like, um, I'm wondering if he's going to be like the male companion, like sidekick character like they had in um, in Wonder Woman, because I thought that, that worked out pretty well. Um, Nick Fury's back, but now he's got two eyes, so maybe we'll get to see how he lost his eye. That's kind of interesting. He also seems a lot less dark and a lot more, like, um, lighthearted, and they show that where, like, he's petting the kitty cat, and he's like, oh, so it, it's interesting. Um, I also, I personally have a prediction that there might be some sort of time travel involved in that particular story. I could be wrong, but um, I, I have sneaking suspicions. I don't know a lot about Captain Marvel's backstory, and I'm trying not to just because sometimes if you read a backstory and and then you go and you watch the film, it can it can kind of like taint your perception of what it was supposed to be. So, um, uh, you know, I, I do remember some things from, uh, like, from what I remember, Captain Marvel died, um, and she was dead, at least when I was reading comics, but in one rendition, and I've spoken about this before in a video, but in one rendition, I know, uh, like, in the 1990s version of X-Men, the cartoon, 
Rogue had taken her powers and accidentally taken her uh, Captain Marvel's like consciousness by sheer accident. And so, um, you know, I don't think they're going to play that card because even though they do have the rights to X-Men now, uh, I don't think they're going to play that card this early on, like bring in, but maybe they will. Maybe, maybe they're going to use Infinity War Endgame as the bouncing off point to introduce the new X-Men, or maybe they'll keep the old X-Men as well as um, the Fantastic Four. And, you know, many people might say, well, they can't keep the old X-Men because if they do, then that means that all the things that happened in the X-Men world had to have happened in the Marvel world and vice versa. And I do agree with that. Like, there's no continuity if you, if you, if you mix and meld these franchises together. However, they, do, they are at an interesting point since they're, within, they're in Infinity War. And X-Men has kind of done this already, so it's not unprecedented, that when you play with time travel and the Infinity Gems just in general, you know, uh, it allows you to enter into alternate realities. So maybe half the characters from X-Men, like the the actors that, that they can get on board, maybe they'll stay. And then the other half will, will leave the franchise. I don't know. I mean, it's just speculation, but it could happen. And I think, narratively speaking, they have an option to do that now, whereas they haven't before. And this is also not unprecedented in in just superhero movies in general. I mean, when they combined when they combined the Supergirl with Flash and Arrowverse. That's kind of how they did it. They had Flash, like, do some time travel business in the Speed Force, and I think there was some alien interaction as well, but that's how they end, opened it up to, like, the the Earth-21 and the Earth-2 and all these different Earths. Like, they're different realities, so to speak. So, you know, there's that possibility as well, and it's very interesting where they could go with this now that... Now that Fox has given the rights back to Marvel for basically, or to Disney and Marvel for basically Fantastic Four, Silver Surfer, uh, X Men, so that that's a lot. That's a lot of characters that they can now introduce, and Fantastic Four in particular. I'm hoping they'll do a good job because um, Fox really dropped the ball with those characters. Not that I don't like those films. I still watch them every once in a while with my little one, but that's the thing. Um, half of the enjoyment is because she likes them. There are some redeeming factors, though. I like the thing, particularly in those films. And um, it's interesting that the character who plays Captain Captain uh, America also played Human Torch. It's kind of weird to see him as Human Torch now because he's Captain America. But again, you know, uh, not that they would ever do this, but this this is how interesting things can play out when you have alternate universes and stuff. Um, in the DC TV cinematic world, you have um, 
like some characters who played the Flash back in the 90s are now like an alternate version of Flash. And you have characters who played Superman in Smallville are now like the father of Supergirl. I mean, there, there's some interesting things that they do um, that you can get away with. And it's, I think it's like little Easter eggs for people who have really been following this stuff. And um, so it, it, it's really exciting. You know, the one thing that I think that Marvel has really missed the, uh, the target on, though, missed opportunity, it has nothing to do with their films or anything like that, but it's uh, their video games. You know, I know that they sided with Capcom and they, they have like this, the Capcom thing, but it's really such a shame that they don't have a deal with NetherRealm or a studio like that where they can have, because I mean, Injustice 2 just blows away the competition, and it's it's too bad that they Marvel doesn't have a fighting game like that. Same thing with the Star Wars franchise. It would be so cool if they came out with a quote-unquote Mortal Kombat type of fighting game for Star Wars. They tried it once a long time ago called Master of Terrascasi, but or Terrascai, I can't remember. But um, you know, the graphics on that are so old now and it, it it doesn't really you can't do anything with it. But um I got to I got to wrap up here. I will say that the Avengers trailer looks really cool. I don't think that Iron Man is going to be lost in space forever. I'm sure someone's going to pick him up. I do think he will die. That's my personal opinion. I think Robert Downey Jr. is getting to an age where he doesn't want to be doing these films anymore. He's made a lot of money, and he's good to go. I could be wrong, but um, that's, those are my own personal opinions. Um, I also think that he'll probably make some big sacrifice that allows other people to come back to life. And I do think that a lot of people we saw die in Infinity War will come back just because, you know, Infinity War... And anybody who's familiar with it kind of knows that that's, that that's what happens. But when it does, it's almost like a reboot to the universe. And some people are there, some people aren't. I'm hoping that they keep Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And they keep the, the, the Spider-Man franchise that they currently have going. Because it was, to me, it's my favorite. It's excellent. They're really, they're nailing this character down, like, perfectly. Um, and it would be a shame to have yet another Spider-Man. Just, like, don't do that to me. Too many Spider-Mans. Um, Black Panther will probably come back just because he's a fan favorite, and I don't feel like he was there long enough. Um, who else? Uh, Captain Marvel will probably stick around for a while. Doctor Strange. Uh, I do think either Captain America or Thor might die as well in this movie. I don't think Hulk will, and part of me thinks that because of the movie rights, Universal owns Hulk, and they finally have a Hulk that's working well, so as long as Mark Ruffalo is good for it, which I'm sure he is, um, I think Hulk will probably stay. The reason why I think that Captain America or Thor might go is, one, it'll raise the stakes, and two, I honestly think the actor who plays Thor is ready to move on in his acting career. Not that he doesn't love the character or anything. It's just, you know, at some point you want to move on. And I think for him, it's now. An interesting thing that they could do with the Infinity War and this reboot that I'm talking about, soft reboot, 
is um, they could bring back Natalie Portman, who plays Jane Foster, and according to the comics, she was able to hold Thor's hammer, Milieu, and um, become Thor for a while, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And so that might be a way to have a female Thor. And then you can bring back Natalie Portman, who is a great actress in and of her own. Um, she's not the biggest comic book fan or nerd, but that's not a requirement to be, uh, you know, a great actor and participate in these films. So she might be a good, a good replacement for Thor that the audience will kind of embrace. And then we would have yet another Marvel female superhero. Again, to me, the the sex of a hero isn't that important. Uh, as much as the thematic lesson that they share with the audience. But it is stacked pretty heavy with the guys, so it would be cool to have a couple more girls on board. But uh, like I said, i got to kind of wrap it up, so I'm going to end here. What are you guys' thoughts? Who do you think is going to die? Who do you think is going to live? Um, what did you think about the trailers? Is there anything I missed? Go ahead and let me know. And if you haven't already, give this a review on iTunes. Give it a like. Give it a share. Give it all those things. All right. Take it easy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap. If you liked this episode, go ahead and give it a like. And if you're listening to it on iTunes, please give it a review. And if you haven't already, go ahead and subscribe. However, your podcast platform allows you to. And if you have any questions, go ahead and submit them and I will address them as they come. You never know your question might be on other people's minds. Other than that, you can check me out on all the different social media. My username is usually at Joshmus Prime, J-O-S-H-U-M-U-S-P-R-I-M-E. Or you can just check me out uh, sometimes uh, by just looking up Josh Coker, like on YouTube, just Josh Coker, just plain Jane, Josh Coker. All right, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace.